Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great day. This is Pastor Mark Page. I want to say welcome back to my Word from God podcast. It's time for a word, a word from God. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Mark Page. I'm looking forward to sharing God's Word with you today. Um, Thank you for following along um, with my series, Don't Miss Your Messiah, Following in the Footsteps of Christ. Um, Sunday, we looked at the King. We uh, looked at a message called The King is Coming, where Jesus on Palm Sunday entered the city of Jerusalem. Monday, uh, we looked at John chapter 17 in a message called The Prayer, um, where Jesus prayed for us and how powerful that was to see that the God of all creation actually, when he was on earth, lifted me up to the Father. So cool. Um, Yesterday, we talked about the Last Supper in a message called Remember Me. And today I want to talk about Gethsemane. In fact, that's the title of today's message. It's called Gethsemane. And I just want you to know that I sense an extreme amount of warfare surrounding the topic of Gethsemane because I don't believe that the enemy, that Satan wants us to know um, how powerful what Jesus did really is. And I believe that this message is for somebody out there that has been lost in in your suffering to the point of allowing substance or um, sin to become your outlet, uh, just to feel like you can escape a little bit from your um, your pain. So I'm going to examine. We're going to examine Luke chapter 22 verses 39 to 46. Um, but I just want to say, one, one, one thing I want to say before I get started is this. Our God reigns. He reigns over Satan. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's breathed his spirit of life into us as Christians. And he wants to give us victory on earth and eternal victory with him in heaven. So without further ado, I just want to share this message with you called Gethsemane. In Luke twenty two thirty nine, the word says this. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn for them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, Today, I just want to ask for superior clarity for everyone who is listening to this podcast. Jesus, we need your help. We're walking, and we're trying to walk towards you, and we're just asking you as our king, as our advocate, as our lawyer, as the lover of our souls, and our redeemer, and our ever-present help. Jesus, today, we love you. 
and we're asking for your help as we as we wade through this season of uncertainty and pain and fear and anxiety and depression and God people are hurting in this world and you know this so we're asking Jesus that you would help us to be the light of the world like you said we were that you'd help us to make disciples like you said we should do and you commanded us to do and God I pray as I open your word today that your people would hear it and we would all be changed that you would just once again, wash us, wash our feet, cleanse our hearts as we prepare to enter into this time of growth um, with you this Easter week. Jesus, we love you. We glorify you. I praise you for who you are and what you've done for me and what you want to do for so many more. And Jesus, I just want to glorify you as the king of my life, as the worthy lamb of God in Revelation 5 who's able to open the scroll as the king who has defeated and made a mockery of all satanic authority and power. We rejoice and we revel and we hold on to the fact that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you offer clarity and hope and peace to anyone who will come to you. You're the source of our living water and we worship you today. ask you to speak in this podcast and this message. Speak to someone's heart. Reach them where they are. In Jesus' name, amen. At Gethsemane, we see Jesus preparing to take up the cross. There's so much imagery, in the, even in that statement, to take up your cross and follow Jesus. If we're going to really uh, be his disciples, his, um, his church, then we're going to have to follow in his footsteps. And I think that when we're preparing to take up our cross... Um, we're going to need to take several crucial steps in our lives to um, really be able to overcome. We can get so bound up and so caught up in all that we're doing and saying and being a part of and looking at on the internet and posting and and, uh, even doing in church that we're not doing what we should be doing. We can get so busy that we miss the point. Jesus showed us here in Luke 22 how he prepared to take up his cross. And I'm going to give you several of these steps, these things that Jesus did that I think are applicable to us. The first uh, step that Jesus took was to get distance from chaos. He distanced himself from all of the uh, chaotic surroundings that he was experiencing, the, 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 the crowds, the multitudes, the Pharisees, all the people he'd preached to, that he'd been around, all the people that he had uh, shared with or even healed, he, he only took his closest inner circle and then he distanced himself to prepare for battle. We have got to distance ourselves from chaos to prepare for battle, just like Jesus did. It says, and when um, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. I've been to the Mount of Olives. I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane. I went October 2019, and um, it was so amazing to be able to pray there in this beautiful um, garden in such a peaceful place. It's, a, it's an incredible view from the Garden of Gethsemane. You can see the whole city of Jerusalem just right across the valley. And even to the left, you can see Caiaphas's house where in a few verses, um, a mob is going to come from Caiaphas's house to arrest and uh, betray Jesus and take him back and beat him. And so there's this amazing 
atmosphere at Gethsemane. It's like a withdrawn, peaceful place in the midst of all the chaos. And Jesus distanced himself by going to a peaceful place for no other reason, I don't believe, than to draw strength from God for the task at hand. There's something to be said about quietness, about distance. Because you're not, you're not ever distant from God, but the more voices that you're listening to around you, the less you'll hear Him at times. And so as you prepare in your own life to take up your cross and follow Jesus, my encouragement to you, my exhortation to you would be, go to the secret place. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells, that word is like abides, stays, he who dwells makes their home in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The psalmist says, I will say the Lord, He is my refuge, my strength, my God. In Him will I trust. The danger is that we enter into a war without having first been to the secret place to get our orders. The second step that we see Jesus take here is um, number two is focused, vigilant prayer. Focused, vigilant prayer. In verse 40, he said, When he came to that place, or the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Lack of prayer causes temptation, and not just, and Jesus knew that they were going to fall asleep here in just a few verses. So he is saying, Pray that you don't fall asleep. I would say spiritually fall asleep and physically fall asleep. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Jesus also knew that the apostle Peter was going to deny him three times. Jesus also had just predicted that, and he also knew that, knew that his other apostles were getting ready to scatter because at the tip of the spiritual spear, uh, in, the middle, in the thickest part of the war zone, you're going to experience uh, a great falling away of people who claim Jesus when everything's good. And, and I think the only way that we can really actually... Um, draw enough strength to not fall off, even ourselves, is to do what Jesus said, is to rise and to pray, and to, and to pray against the temptation that's coming, because the temptation is going to hit us, but if we're not prepared for us, it'll take us. I will say this, the tempter will fight you the hardest as you prepare to take up your cross. Satan will be against you, and everything in your life will reveal that when you try to take up your cross to follow Jesus. See, Satan is, is not worried about people who give lip service to a God. He's not worried about, and what I mean by that is he's not worried about people who say they're Christians. He's not worried about people who say they believe. James says that even the demons believe and they shudder, but are they redeemed? No. What Satan hates and what he wants to stop and what he wants to derail is a believer, sober, vigilant, ready for his attack, taking up their cross and walking towards the king for the kingdom with it. Jesus submitted himself to the Father. It says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed. I can only imagine the agony that he's feeling in this moment. And then he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, 
but yours be done. It's not wrong. Jesus did it, so it's not wrong to ask God for deliverance in trials. It's not wrong uh, to ask God to step into the fire with you. And Daniel, we saw Jesus in the fire with, with those boys, delivering them. Not a hair of their head was singed. Time and time again, Daniel in the lion's den, he asked God for deliverance. You know, he's there in the lion's den. God delivers him. God is a deliverer. But sometimes he wants to use your life to see others delivered. And in this case, the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus was going to deliver all of us that would believe on him for salvation. It was going to deliver us, sozo, salvation, deliverance from destruction. It's a Greek word used tons and tons of times in the New Testament. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's not wrong to pray for deliverance, but if God doesn't deliver you from your current physical situation, will you still praise him? Will you still say, okay, God, I'll follow you? Will you still carry your cross when it becomes so heavy that you don't think you can? We've got to submit our hearts to the will of God. How do we do that? How did Jesus do it? One thing Jesus did is he continued to pray. See, I think we're really bad to say, God, here, do this for me, and then we get up and we go about our day. But if we, in prayer, will we'll be in tune to the Holy Spirit, we might say, God, please deliver me from this. But when God says no, then we shouldn't just get up and say, wow, God. Thanks a lot for your help. We should actually stay there and pray. If you're not going to deliver me from it, God, you're going to have to get me through it because I cannot get through this by myself. If you're not going to deliver me from the fire, if you're not going to deliver me from the waters, if you're not going to deliver me from, from the actual physical trial that I am in, then God, I need your supernatural help to get through it. And that's number four. We need supernatural help. But we're not going to get supernatural help if we leave the secret place. Can God swoop in? Yes, he can rush in. He's a, he is mighty. He is powerful. His spirit is strong. But if we're going to truly follow Jesus to the cross in our everyday lives, I need to stay close to God to receive the supernatural help that I need to even get through the trial. We'll talk about why that's so important in just a minute when we talk about temptation. I'm so thankful for Jesus today, and I know you are too if you know him. If you don't know him, you can know him. I'm thankful that he said, if it's your will, take this cup away from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I'm thankful that it was God's will that my life would be saved. I'm thankful that it was God's will that your life is or can be saved. And as hard and as awful and as terrible as it was for Jesus to endure the weight of my sin and yours, it was worth it to God because he created us and he wanted to redeem us. Jesus needed the supernatural help of his father. Verse 43, the supernatural help came in an angel. It says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Gave him enough strength to continue on. I believe in that moment, there's no telling really what exactly the angel um, said, but we know that in some ways, 
this strength came with agony because verse 44 says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So I think maybe the angel appeared, and this is just me being creative here, but appeared and said something to the effect of, you are going to redeem your creation. You're going to go. It's not God's will that you stay or you'll be delivered. And in that moment, Jesus felt the agony of knowing that he would be separated from God, that he would experience the weight of sin. He was holy. It says, and he prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That's a, that's a thing that can happen due to an immense amount of stress and pressure, emotional pressure on a person. It hurt Jesus to have to go to the cross for me. It, it was agonizing for Jesus to have to fulfill God's will for me. But he prayed, and he submitted, and he received supernatural help. There's no telling what all the angels told him. But he didn't just roll over and say, I can't do it. He didn't roll over and say, I, I don't want to do it. Instead, he entered into war zone prayer. I love that, war zone prayer. There's a, there's a lot of different kinds of prayer. There's intercessory prayer where you're uh, interceding for someone else's life. There's um, prayers of thanksgiving and just praise. And I even think worship is a type of prayers. You just proclaim who God is. But this specific prayer, I, I, I would classify this as war zone prayer. All of hell wanted Jesus to stop what he was doing, to sin, to quit. At the same time, wanting to kill him. But he prayed more earnestly. He prayed harder. He cried out louder. He didn't get discouraged when his answer came and it wasn't exactly the answer that you and I would want. He prayed harder. He, he, he hurt more, he hurt deeper, but he hurt with God in the presence of God. And there's something powerful that happens when we enter into war zone prayer. Because this is a war zone here. We're talking about a battlefield. Every day that you walk out of your house, or even every day that you're in your house with your family, Satan is there or desires to be there to destroy you and your family and your life and your witness. I think it's time for us as the church to get serious about war zone prayer. And then finally, the next step is, a, is an awareness of pain-propelled temptation. An awareness of pain-initiated, pain-propelled, pain-focused um, temptation. And I'll explain that. Jesus said, when he, the Bible says, when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Remember, they're, they're not just sleeping because they're tired. They're sleeping because they're in agony because he's just told them that he's going to die with sinners in verse 37. And he said to them, after, after he found them sleeping from sorrow, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus could have said so many different things, like, guys, quit sleeping, get up. We got stuff to do. We got work to do. We got things to do. But what he said was, rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. And here's what I have drawn from this text. And I think the Lord wants me to share with you. And I think this, what I'm getting ready to share with you is the most important part of this text for you personally. It's more of an application. 
if we're going to have an awareness of pain-propelled temptation, I think the, the, the reason we need an awareness of that is this. In times of pain or suffering, the believer must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. And James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. We have to literally endure trials to the end. There's no shortcut through the trial, only the promise of the ability to make it through it and to glorify God in it. Trials often produce pain, and pain hurts. Pain hurts. And when you're in pain, emotional, spiritual pain, Satan desires to tempt you to do something that will ease the pain. God calls us to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Satan says, ease the pain. Ease the pain. You shouldn't feel this way. You shouldn't be experiencing this. You don't deserve this. This is too much for you. You can't bear this. Here, just take this pill. Here, just drink that drink. This will make you feel better. This will help you. Uh, you'll get through it better with this. And what, what really is starting to happen when we have drugs or alcohol or illicit sin, whatever it is that, that Satan gets us with as an escape from our trials, we experience the phenomenon of a temptation that promises to ease temporary pain but always actually produces and reinforces our chains. You can write that down if you want. The temptation that promises to ease temporary pain will always produce or reinforce chains. It is not wrong to hurt. Jesus hurt. The apostles suffered after he went to be with his father. You're going to suffer for righteousness sake, but be aware that when you start to suffer, Satan wants to use your suffering as an, in, an inroad, as a way to get into your life. And he offers you a way that looks like it will take some of the stress away. And really what that is doing is it's numbing your spiritual uh, ability to sense and to be aware and to decipher what is going on around you spiritually. Don't allow Satan to numb you. Don't allow Satan to lure you to sleep spiritually. There are so many ways that he does this. But you can know this. If you're suffering for Christ, there will be an opportunity to ease that pain. Here's the thing. Here's the difference. Satan wants to offer you the ability to temporarily ease your pain to make it through everyday life. And he really wants you to do that until you die so that you never truly are effective for Jesus. God offers healing from pain and strength and the power of a testimony through pain and through trials and through suffering. And as you carry your cross and as you share and you partake in the suffering of Christ, you just know this, there is coming a day you're going to partake in the healing. You're going to take part of the joy. You're going to take part of the eternal kingdom of your eternal home because you, you walked through the trial. And the Bible says in James, blessed is the man that overcomes or endures trials for when he has passed the test, he will receive the crown of life that is promised to those who love God. So know this today. If your heart's pain has produced an addiction in you that you use to numb the pain of your heart, there is a better way. Follow Jesus. 
Walk through that, that, that conflict. Walk through that marital issue together. Fight Satan together. Don't let Satan convince you that you are not good for each other. Nobody is good. No, not one. There's none righteous. But here's the deal. God has prayed in, in, in John 17 that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Jesus prayed that we would be one, unified in unity. So whatever the thing is that is driving your pain, know this. There's healing, there is redemption, and there is hope in the middle of it and on the other side of it. This season of your life, if it is a season of suffering, is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of a testimony. So, don't let your pain or your sorrow even put you to sleep. How is Satan putting you to sleep? How are your temptations and and maybe even your sin keeping you from victory, from taking up your cross and following the Lord Jesus? What do you need to give to Jesus today? What have you taken into your own hands and said, no, my will, not yours, God. I want to do my will in this situation. I'll let you have these other ones, but I want to keep this one to myself. Listen, you are not strong enough to hold what God desires to take from you. Maybe the reason that you're struggling so hard today with whatever it is that you're struggling with is that you're trying to carry something that Jesus paid for on the cross. That you're trying to hold on to some part of yourself that Jesus wants to take in his hands. That, you're, that you want to uh, try to direct your own plan and path and, and, and you want to be sovereign over your own reality, but really there's a God who's saying, come to me, all you who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Know this. I'm going to just review real quick what we talked about. If we're going to follow Jesus to the cross in our own spiritual walks, we've got to distance ourselves from the chaos. We've got to engage in focused, vigilant prayer. We've got to submit our hearts and our lives to the will of God. Remember, it's not wrong to ask God for deliverance, but if he doesn't take you out of the situation, walk through it. We need supernatural help. God always sends supernatural help. There's no temptation that has overtaken you um, that you're not going to be able to bear. We've got to engage in war zone prayer. When the, when the, the fire gets hot, pray harder. Pray more earnestly. Ask God uh, for, for more strength. We've got to have an awareness that our pain will be where Satan tries to tempt us. We've got to overcome temptation by the word of God and the spirit of God and by prayer. We've got to stay spiritually awake to endure suffering and, and hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We've got to rise from the dead. We've got to wake up. We've got to let the light of Christ shine on us. 
So I just want to encourage everybody with this today. It's a little shorter podcast, but temptation is always surrounding your obedience to Jesus Christ. So go into the next season of your life or the next hour of your life aware that now that the light has been shown on your life by Jesus himself and by his Holy Spirit, you're going to experience some temptation in some way today. It's a guarantee. And whatever the thing is that Satan tempts you with, I encourage you to set up a safeguard right now, today, even in this moment, while you're feeling strong so that when you're feeling weak, you can't get back to the to the dog vomit that you used to live in. Guys, we've got to get serious about this. Set up safeguards in your life that will allow you freedom when you feel weak. Don't forget what Jesus did in Gethsemane. Don't forget the prayer that he prayed there. Don't forget the cup that he drank for you and for me on his way to the cross. Guys, I love you. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I pray that God, um, by his Holy Spirit, will just strengthen and encourage and use you all in his kingdom. And um, go, go make a difference. Go be the light. Go share the gospel. Uh, 